We're bringing the fun. We're bringing the thunder. We are Thunder. Flesh and blood down under. Episode three. Three. How good is this? It's going well. It's going well. Man. We're on a hat trick. This is a couple of hours later than we planned to record though. It is. Not your fault. No, no. Both our fault. We're uh, getting busy coming up to a busy weekend. It's crazy. We have Uprising, World Premiere, Sydney, and The Calling, and a Battle Harden if we scrub out day one. Mate, I'm going to win The Calling and go home. Yeah, baby. Uh, top four The Calling, go home. I don't care. PTI, gold foil, see ya. See ya. That's uh, it. LSS, if I win, you can keep the cash. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go deep, deep, what are we talking about tonight? Well, last week, we did a bit of a deep dive into who the Timmy was, who am I? And uh, we got a good bit of feedback on that. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for our new subscribers. Um, you can find Fluke over at Fluke and Box on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And I go by the tall Timmy on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. So tonight, the roles are reversed. And I'm going to go deep, deep into <laughs> Fluke's... Um, what makes fluke a fluke? And we're it's going to get dark. We're going to we're going to start right at the beginning. Then, when we finish that, we're going to talk about all things uprising world premiere. We're going to talk a bit about the spoilers. We are excited. We're very excited. We're going to talk about that gorgeous art. We're going to talk about the weekend, our our blitz teams, how we're going to approach it, what our plans are, and then we'll wrap things up. So, enjoy. Let's get stuck into it. John, that is your name. It's my real name. Surname. Don't wear it out. Now, surname, how do now, you pronounce your Is it Warden or Wardan? Or? It's, it's technically Wardan. Wardan. If you so, spoke Arabic. That was close. That, that was you have to roll the R yeah. to do it properly. Wardan. Wardan. Yeah. But um, it's not even the right spelling. Like in, in W-A-R-D-A-N is not even... There's 10 different variations in English. So they've anglicized it when they Little came bit. over? Yeah, well, okay. no, but also Frenchized it over in Lebanon because the passports are in French. Oh, uh, okay. Which is W-E-R-D... No, it's W-E-R-D-E-N-E or something stupid. It's okay. v- it's very tricky. I got caught. I got I couldn't leave Vanuatu because my birth certificate... Birth certificate? No, my birth certificate and passport w- didn't match the spelling of the surname because one was in French, one was in English. And the Vanuatu people, like consulate of all people, are like, you need to get a new passport. So you were profiled. Is that what you're telling me? No, I had no. They oh. just the documents <laughs> didn't match. Okay, so you weren't and, at the airport about the, to get on a plane, and no, I was. Oh, I was leaving Vanuatu, and they're like, you can't get on the planes. Your documents don't match. Interesting. Weird, but anyway. Um, so you were born in Lebanon. Yes. Awesome. I was born in '87, mm-hmm. which is the year the civil war started. If anyone knows their history, there. So my parents moved us here, and then when I was six uh, months old, we moved to Australia, to Guildford, and then when I was six years old, we moved back to Lebanon, and then when I was 14, we moved back to Australia. Right. So that explains mm, why you have such a good command and such a native Australian accent, possibly, because you spent six years here? So my parents also put us in a, yes, but my parents always made us learn English Arabic at home. Mm-hmm. And then we went to a private English school in Lebanon, which usually you would go do Arabic and French. We did Arabic English in school. I see. So whereabouts in Lebanon are you from? Or where were you? Live? Beirut or North I lived South? in Tripoli when we went back. But I'm from Hachit, which is north in the mountains. North I, of Tripoli? No, just north Lebanon. Oh, okay. 
Okay. It's it's um high altitude, mostly Christian population. Yeah. Like what? there's more churches than houses, to be honest. So what's Tripoli <laughs> it looks, like? It looks like a village from anywhere in Europe, really, is what, what where I'm from. That's what it looks like. It's just all, um doesn't look like a Middle Eastern country at all. Well, Tripoli's got a bit of an infamous name to it. What's Tripoli like? Rough. Yeah. Um, the thing is, when you're like, what was I, 6 to 13 or 6 to 14, you don't notice much of it. Mm. My friends were all Muslim. Ramadan, they fasted. It just meant I was actually, I got to make me tell the story about my childhood with Ramadan in a, because I was, it was hilarious. Anyway, it didn't matter. There was no like bigotry or hate. Like your kids, you don't <laughs> care. I think it's the same as, as anything. Like, uh, think of any like racial or cultural issue in Australia. Like, if you had an Aboriginal neighbor as a kid, you don't care. You're like, oh, they're great people. And then you find out adults have issues with people, but you as a kid very rarely do unless someone teaches you. Yeah, that's. So we had like 15% of it. It was called Tripoli Evangelical School, mm-hmm. 85% Muslim, because it was like the only private English school in Tripoli. Um, look, my parents were missionaries. To, to Lebanon So we got like A bomb planted at the house And my dad got pelted with rocks And But but me as a kid I never felt danger Because it was home Okay Maybe I would have If I'd Gone into my teenage And older years I probably would have noticed I mean there's way more guns And bullet holes everywhere But It's it's weird Because I never felt unsafe mm. I think when it's the norm Like yeah Soldiers drive past with AKs You don't think about it so you did have an interesting upbringing. You were born in Lebanon, came to Western Sydney, Australia for a very for brief years. time. Yeah, for a brief. I have time. very, very few vague memories of Australia as a kid. You went back. You lived in Tripoli, which is a predominantly Muslim city in Lebanon. Hundred percent, ninety nine percent Muslim. Yeah. You spent another seven or eight years there. Yep. Before immigrating back to in Australia in two thousand. Yeah. Okay. I spent New Year's two thousand in Lebanon, and then we came here. What was the reason for the move? Um. I think my parents, like, so they were missionaries. So they didn't they didn't have full control over, like, where they stayed because they were paid by churches. So I think they got called back and then they decided to just live here. Okay. It's probably more tricky than that as an answer, but that's all I'll give you. So <laughs> I'm not putting all the family dirt on the uh, internet. Of course, you know? yeah. My uh, mum watches the content. <laughs> hey, mum, how are you? Yeah. Um, so the contrast, what is the biggest contrast between, say, when you were 13 in Lebanon mm. and then 13, 14 in Australia. What, what, what are some of the stark contrasts you're seeing? Um, the culture, like, I, I think, I mean, man, in Lebanon, like, you don't lock your house. Like, if you want to go visit your friend, you don't ask, you just turn up and they feed you. Like, there's zero phone calls happening. <laughs> Even today, like, when you go there, everyone's on WhatsApp, but, like, you don't ask, hey, grandma, can I come over? You just say, grandma, I'm coming. And it's so different. Mm. And like people work less and live more. Yeah. And I think that's because they've always had war in some form or threat of it. Mm. Is they kind of, um, they spend way too much on superficial shit. Like, and then they culturally, it's way more open. Like you do not walk past people and not say hi. You don't walk past and stop and say hi. <laughs> um, do you miss it? Did you miss it? It's crazy, man. Like I'm not the only person in the world that feels like this, but it's few people that feel truly like homeless because over there I'm Aussie. Mm. 
here I'm Lebanese mm. and I'm not part of either culture fully. Mm, I see. Like, is an origin on tonight or something? Yeah. Way over my head. Mm. But that limits your, your social interactions in a bigger way than people understand. But over there, when I go, it's the same thing. Like, I'll go as, a, a, but I'm a tourist now. So you would have been first or second year of high school when you came to Australia? I think I was supposed to go into year seven. But we landed like, um, I remember when we came was like mid middle of a term or midway through the year. Because in, in Lebanon, it's like Europe, our year ends in July or June. Like you get the three-month summer holiday like the Americans do actually. Um so I was halfway through a school year when I got here at the start of the Australian school year. They did like an entry test uh, for year seven, but they put me in the year nine one accidentally and I aced it. So like, oh, what year do you want to be in? <laughs> like, do you want to be with people your age or do you want to finish school a year early? And I opted for a year early. So I finished at 17. Right. Yeah. And what sort of things did you like have hobbies in Lebanon growing up or play sports? What would typically, you know, it's, it was very, so my parents were like, we pretty much were in a cult. So there was like weird rules with that, like no TV at home and stuff like that. So we read a lot hobbies. Um, I mean, we spent a lot of time outdoors. Mm. Like, like the way most people my age and 10 years older, remember their childhood is like playing in the street. Yeah. That's what we did. Awesome. Yeah, we came home when it got dark. No one asked questions. Like, no one cared because you knew everyone. Everyone knew you and who your parents are and where you belong. And your parents know that you'll get fed and like weird shit happens there, but it was also way more, way less. Like we never felt dangerous. We just played outdoors. So travel restrictions aside, do you go back home and visit Lebanon much? I went two years ago. Yeah. First time I ever got drunk in my life. I'm 35 was that last trip. Jeez, I wish I was there. <laughs> I've got videos of it. All right. All right. It was my, um, my cousin bought a bar in the mountains and it only opens like for six months of the year because otherwise it's all snow and um, like, and we, we went. So we, my eldest cousin, Fouad, it was his like wedding and I'm like, to my brothers, we should go. So I did a boys' trip with my two brothers. I'm like, if she's opening the bar, I'll get drunk. Like, hundred percent on the holiday with my brothers, I'll get drunk. So I did. Was Was it good? One and done. Was it good? <laughs> yeah, amazing. Oh, awesome. but I drank like like I drink two drinks and I'd have a full bottle of water and go to the toilet and then repeat and did like fourteen drinks. I was happy, no hangover, not bad. Never doing it again. Awesome. So <laughs> when are you taking me? To Lebanon, let's yeah, whenever. Yeah. Look, it's the thing is, um, we just came back from New York. Mm. Nothing like the media or the photos would care to show you. You have to be a local to understand it. Um, Lebanon's the same. No, it's not as dangerous as it's put out to be, for sure. It's 100% a tourist destination for people in Europe who understand it. There's a lot of European backpackers. Because mm. historically, Lebanon is like the only country in the world with... Roman ruins and Greek ruins. It's also one of the only countries in the world you can water ski and snow ski on the same day. So people that, but you wouldn't know that if you're Australian because it never hits you in the media or anything, right? There's no, there's no Lebanon tourism board that <laughs> that they used to be. Beirut used to be a destination yeah. in Europe. They called it the Paris in 100%. the winter. That's where all the Europeans yep. would go in the winters. But um, no, uh, it's. It's as safe as like, not like we have shootings in the west of Sydney. Happens in King's Cross too. 
if you if your friend from New Zealand said, "Should I even come to Sydney? I've heard this shootings in, in King's Cross." You'd be like, "Mate, yeah, but like, why would you be at King's Cross at four in the morning? Like, that's just not where you would be." It's the same thing as Lebanon. There's certain places with certain factions and certain times of the year. If it's like an election, you just would never go there. But but uh, like that's the one percent of the country, you know. It's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. It's also like doesn't matter to me but it's like the biblical promised land like it's a there's a reason for it. it's one of the most beautiful places in the world mm. like natural resource wise like i said you can you can go swim and it's like 25 degrees and you can jump in a car and an hour and a half later the sun's burning under your chin you're skiing and the sun reflection is so nice you get sunburnt <laughs> there's not many countries in the world you could do that so you're getting sunburnt both ways yeah Mm. Like we had to put sunscreen under our chin, and it's got some of the best food in the world. Look, I man, love Arabic cuisine. I think last when I went, a Corona was still like a dollar or a dollar fifty to be right. There's no tax on any cigarettes are forty cents for a packet. It's stupid because it's like no one pays tax, but the food is there's nothing like it. So you come yeah. to Australia preteen or very early teen, thirteen, fourteen, Th- thirteen, fourteen, um, assimilated into high school, no problem. I mean, no. I think when I got here, it was just after the Cronulla riot crap. Uh, yeah, okay. So here I am. I speak fluent English, but I'm like people ask me where I'm from. I'm from Lebanon. I made no friends. Couldn't work out why. I'm like, we're pretty friendly people. Then I'm like watching the news one day and I go, is that why people think like Leb- like they don't? Because I went to Northmead High. There weren't many Lebanese people at all really? when I went. Yeah, it was like a performing arts high school then. Okay. Um, but then, like, I was also watching the news here. It's like it was Afghanis that were interviewing, and they called them Lebanese. I'm like, that, that guy's not speaking Arabic. <laughs> Look, I I don't think I wanted to assimilate either because we moved so. Many, I think I went to eight schools in my life, six minimum. Mm. It's you you give up by the time you're a teen. You're like, so I had some friends, very small circle, mostly nerds, like computer nerds. We just played. We went land cafes, played Counter Strike. So um, is that when you started getting into games when you came to Australia? No, no, back in Lebanon for sure. Oh, okay. So my dad was very big into computers, so we always had one, always played games on it when he wasn't working, mm-hmm. like young age, young age. And, you know, Atari and we didn't have them at home, but all our cousins and stuff did, so we'd always, you know, you always get to play. And so what sort of games did you play in high school when you came over here? Counter-Strike. Oh, yeah, first-person shooters? Very good. Okay. Used to be good. If 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 I was sixteen now, I'd be one of those streamers for Counter Strike for sure. Yeah, count, when Counter Strike first <laughs> came out, like I remember, there that was no mod, such thing as it was. Ama- it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was oh, pretty was groundbreaking. Like there was nothing like it. I don't know if people even know, but Counter Strike is the equivalent of like someone taking Flesh and Blood and they're making their own game out of the cards, and the game is bigger than Flesh and Blood because they worked out something that. And that's what Counter Strike was. Someone modded Half Life and made a better game. And now that game is like the company that made Half Life <laughs> makes way more money off Counter Strike than they ever made off Half Life. And that was the same with Dota. Hundred percent. Dota yeah. was a Warcraft, Warcraft three mod. Hundred percent played the crap out of that. Yeah, I remember when it was a mod. We <laughs> always used to queue up for the mods. Yeah, but that's why. Funnily enough, it ties into Flesh and Blood a lot because Flesh and Blood is basically a modified version of Magic. In, in not that they took magic and added a layer, but someone got inspired by something good that's old, that is broken a little bit. And that's what like Warcraft mods were crap. 
amazing game. All the tower defense games in the world come from that too. Mm-hmm. But then people went, you know, we could just make this better. And then you have like on your phone now, some of the like, even the MOBA games you can play now, like League of Legends is infinitely better and more balanced than Dota ever was. But when it was just a mod and you didn't have to pay and you learn as you go, nothing like it. That era of gaming's gone. Oh, yeah, it's well gone. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, the whole landscape the of Wild computer West. gaming. Well, no stopped. one's allowed to mod the same anymore. I think mm. Roblox is the closest thing now, but we're too old to play that. But that's where like kids make mods and then they sell them for points. And, and how fun was it like going to internet cafes or even better lugging around your in big the flesh C- and blood yeah in the flesh and blood <laughs> lugging around your big CRT monitors yeah. or oh, going yeah. to someone's house and connecting so we were never up. allowed to do that it was always my wishes to like go to a LAN but mm. I went to LAN shops all the time all year 12 I never went to school year 12 did not step I did not go to school <laughs> where, where, where'd you hang out at the ones in Parramatta yeah or? well everywhere okay yeah wherever my like we just my friend got his so my friend turned 18 at the start of year 12 so he got his license and a car and that was it. Like, we're going, we're going. So <laughs> school was a bit a bit of a blur. And then what 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 did you do after school? Just slip into the workforce or start studying? I started working at 14 mm-hmm. immediately when I could. So 13, nine months, whatever the rules were back then. Um, and never stopped. Mm. So I'd been working, uh, not full time, but I'd work three, four days after school. I'd walk halfway from Northmead to Para get to North Para, work, and then I'd go home. Uh, I wanted to be independent. I just wanted to move out. Mm. So I just worked. Met a girl, um, would have been 15 or 16. So she lived in Vanuatu. That's where that story comes in. Her parents are missionaries there. So pen paled for years, moved to Rockhampton, which is as Queensland. As, yeah, that's, North Queensland. That's like how far away from Sydney we're talking you know. Well, it's seven hours north of Brisbane. Yeah. So that if that gives you an idea, it's at least 20 hours, I'd say, to travel by car. Yeah. And I don't know. how I've never flown. I can't remember. So it's like. near the tropics. Yeah. It, it's very. It's on the tropic of Capricorn. Mm. It's extremely hot. Your steering wheel melts in summer if you don't own a garage. I learned that the hard so, way. So when did you move up there? As soon as I finished high school. All right. So as yeah. 18 years old. So I went to CQU, did journalism for a year. I was 17. With this girl? Well, so she lived in Vanuatu, but they had a house in Rocky. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I did uni there, I'd see her more often. Yeah, got married at 19, had a kid Whoa. at 20, hey. divorced at 21. I Whoa. did I it all very quick. Holy jeez, <laughs> mate. You don't muck around. So kid it. So you got married, had a kid, got divorced. I mean, in yeah. In that order? I mean, yeah, without filling in all the blanks, that's what happened. Whoa. So okay. my son turns 14 this year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, a bit older than my son. Mm. Your son's huge compared to mine, though. Yeah. Although my son will be taller than me for sure. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, so yeah. You, you know, so you. I would say it sounds like you grew up quite fast, but you were. Oh maybe no, forced I did. To. I did. Yeah. Also, like I, I've definitely seen some shit. Yeah. Like living in Lebanon for that long. Mm. In Tripoli, you see some shit. Oh yeah. Not like. I've probably experienced more actual violence in Australia than ever in Lebanon, funnily enough. But the but the the smell of it there is always there. Mm. Everyone has a gun, especially in the mountains. Everyone has assault rifles in the house and grenades because they kept them after the war. So you, I never like was in a scenario. You know what I mean? And there'd be times where like, like we were in the mountains. Um, 
trying to remember what year. It doesn't matter. It's 99, 98. You could look this up. Um, Hezbollah, which is, by the way, when I say north of Lebanon, Lebanon is like a tiny country. Like it's, I think it's a four-hour drive from end to end. Um, very south is where a lot of the violence happens on the border between Palestine and Israel. Like that's where the, the heat is. We're in the north, very, very far from it. I think some Hezbollah guys sent some shells over the border and hit a school, killed some kids. So we're up in the mountains and I'm in Lebanon you don't have power twenty four seven. You have certain hours of the day when there's power. It's usually about half the day for each place so that you can charge stuff and whatever. And I'm sitting out and it's in the dark, so it's very starry night. And I see a UFO. See this light bobbing and weaving. I'm like, what the I'm a I'm fifteen. No, no, I would have been twelve. It's it's a jet, it's a stealth jet fighter, or whatever. I couldn't hear it yet. I just saw it moving, and then I saw a glint, and then a big dome of light. It disappeared, and then I heard like the jet. Anyway, you wake up the next day, and Israel took out every power plant in the country <laughs> in, in retaliation. Now, as a kid, that's like it's a. Wow. Mm. But if I was an adult with kids, I probably would have been terrified. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I never got to that age to feel like, oh, I'm scared of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I remember having like air raid drills at school, I think once or twice, where like, it's like an earthquake drill if you live in a place that has earthquakes. Like, get under the, the, you know what I mean? Like, they do the, the drill, but I don't think as a kid you register what you live in. Yeah. Mm. But you do grow up fast, I think. I think you still having that like looming and you know every election we'd go up to the mountains and like hide out because there'd be violence in the city so your parents are sheltering you so you don't see it but you experience it more than you ever do here mm. here you always feel like oh, i ring like that like triple zero you can ring mm. it's not the same there so you're 21 divorced, divorced or married which one am i yeah divorced <laughs> with a son yep then what that's uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big slap in the face. Or that's look, a, that's lucky. A I was only twenty one. Yeah, I think it's different when you're forty, when you've got four kids in a house and and plans and and your life has like I was very young. It's very easy to adapt at twenty one. Most people haven't even thought about getting married at twenty one. I had mm. nothing. Like I was, I mean, I was earning good money, but we didn't have assets per se. Like we had a car and furniture, and we didn't have to like you know, uh, my kid was two, one, two. Um, moved back to Sydney. Like this, I didn't have family in in Queensland, so and you know, it was her family. I wasn't going to hang around. So what next ten years? So twenty one to thirty one. What? Well, lots of ups and downs. Yeah, learnt some skills the hard way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've always been in sales in some form. You're a good talker. Yeah. Um, I think I, I, that's both a born skill and a learned one. If if anyone's listening that's ever thinks they can't sell, don't think that way. You Anyone can learn to sell. Anyone can learn to talk. Teach a parrot to talk. I could teach anyone to sell. But it's, it's yeah, it's I think part of the persona is when you do one thing for so long, if it happens to be convincing people to pay money, you you, <laughs> you have that skill set. But um, yeah, I've been in, I've done like 20 jobs. So you were always in sales. You come across like that photocopiers, hustler, relentless work ethic. Yeah, 
you know, you got to relent. Even with what you do now, you you do have a relentless work I'm, ethic. I'd never stop. Yeah, I think I I went a seven year stretch with no holiday. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's easy when you set a goal. If you want to, if you have a goal, you'll get it. And then were you? So obviously, when you bursted onto the fab scene, you were known as a bit of a crypto person. Sure. Were you? When did we you do start need to dabbling? clarify some of this stuff? Oh, no. So when did you start dabbling in crypto? Like in your t- early twenties? Or I was twenty. Twenty. Right. Yeah. Way back. Yeah. Um, played World of Warcraft like a fiend. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know there were people in like we had a very big guild, lots of people. Uh, had a whole bunch of people that were farming like they had fish spots where you could like leave your computer on and the the bot would fish for you and click the so you'd wake up and it deletes all the cheap fish and you only have expense it was like this type of stuff but the same kind of people had gotten into crypto mining because it's the same thing like you leave your computer on and i looked at it and, I, and it was like wait you can make four bucks a month and spend an extra 20 bucks a month on power like that makes no sense it's stupid <laughs> Yeah, it was, by the way, it was fucking stupid to do that. Why would you spend $20 to make four? What was the price of Bitcoin back then? I can't roughly, remember, can't man, remember. but the four bucks was like half a Bitcoin. It was stupid. Like, like. So that was very early. If I had done that, by the way, I didn't do it. That's what I'm trying to say. I never, like, if I'd mined Bitcoin properly, then I'd be a billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> Do you understand well, what yeah, I'm saying? Because I had a high-end gaming PC, which is sort of what you wanted, and mm. a fairly good connection, but it just was stupid. So, what were you doing then? You mean crypto back then? No, but like I 20s. did a little bit of mining here and there, oh, okay. but I never like got into it. Like I'd leave it on for a couple of days. I'm like, this is dumb, and like I was, I wasn't like flush with money. I had to count money, so I wasn't like happy to spend. More. You know, it was already expensive having a gaming PC at the time. And have an upgraded every couple of years, you know? So when did you see the money in it? When did it turn? Look, how? honestly, it, it that's a fairly long story, but I, sure. I think the way I got into it was more, and, and let me be clear too, the, what I want to clarify is when I came onto the fab scene, I had an interview with Louis, saw me opening boxes, like jump on my channel, and he, he called me after the video. He's like, can I call the video like uh, interview with a whale? And I go, you call it whatever you want. Like what? I'm not a whale. That's 100%. Not never been a millionaire. Maybe closer than some people have been, but I'm not like I'm not worth 7 8 9 figures. Nothing like that. I, this is a hobby. It's an expensive one, but um it comes at a cost. <laughs> Those alpha boxes like I put out at the time and I spent this much money by a lot of fab and that was it. Mm-hmm. And most of it's done. Like I'll still buy every new set, but I'm not out there buying cases of alpha and I have a very big collection already and I'm happy with it. But on the crypto thing, I got into it more as a as a conduit between people where I knew how to be on forums and talking to people and learn stuff that maybe someone in their 50s at the time, they'd be like nearly 70 now, had no idea how to do. So I was always in sales. So I could always, well, not really, that has nothing to do with it. I could always see an opportunity to make money. There was an opportunity to always make money by connecting buyers and sellers on like, forums on localbitcoin.com so you were like a broker more like a broker okay yeah so i never sort of risked my money either mm. the problem is that's gotten more and more regulated as time's gone on to the point where it's same as everything that's regulated it's like you know 
we'd all wish we could grow our own weed, but even when they legalize it, you're going to end up, someone with a license will do it. And more likely that's not you and me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what Bitcoin's turning into. It's like these exchanges have regulatory stuff, mm. but for you as a person to be a broker is nearly impossible. Yeah, because you got to keep records and know your customer, and you can get defrauded quite easily. And then when you get audited, get fined and cancelled, and so it's not the wild west anymore. No, but when it was, when it wasn't regulated, when there was nothing, no, no feelings being hurt, when when the government didn't care, man, you make twenty five percent of transaction. People didn't know. People like. Uh, never ripped anyone off but people didn't actually know how much the bitcoin was worth at the time like now you just check your phone mm. when i started it wasn't that simple right you had to like you know it's a little bit more complicated you had to like there was more trust involved so when you built some trust you could make a lot of money because people would be like i'm only gonna use john like i'm not using that like this was when exchanges would get hacked every second day people lost billions mm. so i wasn't an exchange but i could facilitate transactions so but crypto's never been my primary. Like I've always worked. I've always had a job. Yeah, yeah. So, you, but you can see like that. You transferred that. You know that hard work, that grind into flesh and blood, or doing content, or whatever mm. you're doing. Passion projects, new businesses you're launching. Um, <clears throat> one thing that always you know curious to me because you got into flesh and blood firstly. Collector, you watch Rudy's stuff, things sure. like that. You know, do you think? And you know, if you've ever played with fluke you know he's got this beautiful pretty little box with all of his slab decks everything's freaking organized perfectly gc you check my stuff out shit is just <laughs> everywhere fluke's got folders everything's manicured categorized are you ocd uh i'm not i mean we could pan the camera around the room because we're in my lounge room and it's not that neat but I think um, with your with your hobbies and your collecting, like it's very orderly. It's ve it is very to, to a point. But uh, but I am more chaotic. But I like like I think order like to me orderly is like alphabetical or something. Like I know exactly where any of my stuff are, but you would struggle to find any rhyme to the reason of why I've put it there. But you know, <laughs> you want your your goal was to have your Dorinthia fridge in gold foil items, right? I'm still missing one. You're missing one, but that that's what I mean. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you, you've got your uh, eyes on that. You're like yeah. a bloody pit bull and you're not going to let go until <laughs> you have it, right? That's like the one big purchase I'm trying to make is gold foil um, Brave Forge braces. It's so hard to find. But that's just because I think it's... It's funny because the collector term is so weird, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm a player. Every player's a collector, in my opinion. And it's so true. Like, I never, ever would have kept... Like, I wouldn't have the passion to build that Dory fridge if it wasn't how much I love playing the deck. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm definitely not an investor. Like, I don't I don't hold anything. Like, if I want to sell it, I sell it. Like, what I'm holding is stuff I plan to play with. Yeah. Which is a lot. I have gold foils, of, uh, cold foils of everything, trying to build gold foils of everything because I want to put it in slabs and then play with it and that's how i think it happened with the power nine in magic you know i think so that were nine powerful cards yep. it's not that the cards were just rare and no. useless they weren't just rare tokens people people forget that especially when uh, there was a lot of analogies between the power nine and fables but i always tell people that this power nine they were the most powerful cards and, and they still like they're not allowed in formats yeah or they're stopped being allowed in formats very quickly exactly right? exactly and it was started getting organized yeah so your hardcore players your hardcore spikes wanted those cards in their collections to be honest like paul i one of my pet hates 
because I've never played Magic, is that people compare Magic to Flesh and Blood because mm-hmm. you lose the people like me, which is who you need for the game. Mm-hmm. It's not like Magic. It has nothing to do with Magic, mm-hmm. I would argue. Yeah, Magic, it's like comparing the new Call of Duty to OG Counter-Strike. Do you understand we used to go to land shops and pay like 50 cents an hour and play with our friends in person? It's the only reason that game grew is we... It was a different thing. Mm-hmm. Magic was a different thing. No one played it online. Like the reason it exists is nostalgia, which Flesh and Blood doesn't have yet. No, no, but that it's a good and bad thing. Mm. It doesn't have it. So yes, cards don't need to be $100,000 because there's no nostalgia, but it's such a good game. It's 100% going to last the test of time. It's that pressure of like it needs to be something that it's not. It's a new game. And yes, the fact that like if you ask me what the best, most collectible card in the game is, it's a tunic. That's the best card in the game. Like that's the that's the black lotus of flesh and blood. It's not the heart. The heart holds a premium, but in flesh and blood, I think time's gonna prove that there's only like four hundred cold foil tunics in the world, and there's only like forty of the gold foil ones. And then the rest is rainbow foil, but there's only like four hundred and forty cold foil tunics. Mm. But that's one of the most powerful, usable, recognizable cards in the game. The thing that I, like I said, I'm like emphasizing your point where mm. you can't compare Flesh and Blood to Magic is even though, yes, I wouldn't say it's the Black Lotus because one of the things I love about Flesh and Blood is it doesn't seem to me that, you know, occasionally, on average, there isn't these uh, OP power cards. Like it's right. not like Tunic isn't black lotus level powerful right it's not an auto win card you don't have a tuning. no for sure it's and it's more of a staple yeah which it, maybe again i don't have an understanding of how black lotus even like i understand it's powerful because it generates free mana yeah but what i'm saying is it's if you're even comparing the gems have nothing to do with like mm. in fab if you own a tunic, it can go in nearly any deck. Yeah, but I think that's part of the game design with Flesh and Blood. They they don't want these cards that... Well, they could have made the heart heal you for three every time you pitch it and it would be overpowered. Yeah, exactly, and they did it. Yeah. exactly. Or you could say that the tunic gives two resources. It suddenly it's crazy. It, that's right. So I do think that in the fabric well, this of Flesh new, and Blood... This new wizard one in the wizard mirror seems to be a little bit strong. Yeah. You? Well, you know, I've already said my thing on power power with new sets. Look, they they're, they're going to LSS is going to push the yeah. boundary because they have to sell sets. There's nothing wrong with that. So no, but that's what you're saying is 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 right. The comparison is impossible to make. It is. Cuz it's also like the minute you mix in the formula 30 years, it doesn't matter what you think. It's 30 freaking years. Mm-hmm. Like 30 years ago, man, the world was very different 30 years ago. Not 30. How long's magic been out? Nearly 30, right? Yeah. 93, so... 90, yeah, 93, yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time. It's nearly 30. That's mm. You can't, you can't, man. Cars didn't have air conditioning that long ago. <laughs> I'm serious. They, they barely had airbags. Mm. No, did they even have airbags in 93? Um, like, do you get what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you've got to be kidding if you think it's similar. And, and also, the fact that everyone that opens Flesh and Blood owns sleeves is already why you can't compare them. Like, we all, we play with sleeves. It never used to happen. It was like a, I don't know how long it took for Magic to, for people to sleeve their decks, but it wasn't immediate. 
That's for sure. Hmm. No, no one I, thought they were worth anything. No, we never used sleeves when I was a kid. Never. Yeah. The first time I saw sleeves coming back into Magic in 2013, I had no idea. I was just like, why are you using these? And it took me so long to figure out how to shuffle a deck of cards <laughs> that were bloody sleeved. Yeah. You know. Um, so, 21 to 31, you're just working like a madman, doing a lot of crypto broker stuff, maybe some side hustles. You're working, 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 working. Yeah. Then... <laughs> Sort of pivoting, you started. I know you've told me you started getting really into BJJ, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. When, when around did that start? Is that early 30s or late 20s? Like a sore spot, man. To be honest, you wouldn't know me if I wasn't injured. Mm. That was that was everything. Mm-hmm. I loved that more than like eating. Like I, yeah. Uh, BJJ. So I was I was quite chubby before starting Jiu Jitsu. My older brother, Simon, was chubbier. I want to say chubby. I, I'm lucky that I carry my weight like everywhere. So like I weigh 85 kilos now. Most people would think I weigh 70. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a big gut or something, but I'm stocky. I was 95. Um, funnily enough, I was gaming PUBG player unknown battlegrounds that come out. The, you know, 100 people land on an island, one person. So I was playing at a very high level. And I could feel my reflexes were slower than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Did some research. I'm like, I'm also not healthy. And most of the research is you can't improve your reflexes, but if you want to improve it in any way, exercise is a good way because just building the blood, the quicker blood, your, your, your heart rate being healthy is one of the best ways to get information from your brain to your fingers, basically. So I'm like, my brother... I think he'd at this point lost like 17 kilos doing BJJ. He was doing it in the city, but he, he moved back to para, but he'd go during his work day to BJJ. I guess, Simon, if you join a club in para, I'll join with you. And he's like, hundred percent, let's go. So we, I joined with him, uh, four years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. It's tough when you're like overweight and unfit because like even, even like CrossFit athletes get in there and, two rolls in they they pass out it's a whole different type of cardio had you done any sort of competitive sport growing up or was this the no, first no, thing nothing just casual so just, this is the first time you yeah, yeah, trained yeah. Hard. like i tried i did some kung fu but mm. like it was never ever like this this was like also bjj is like it's like crossfit though it's like a cult it's, it's very much like when you get in it's like a big culture thing <coughs> you know the, everyone pushes you to come more often and and to get better and compete but but it's all it's very good for you physically. Mm. Man, I lost weight so quick. I think I, my, my lowest, I got back to like 72 kilos and like shredded. I felt shredded anyway. I was competing, got my blue belt, but I got um, injured pretty bad and I haven't been back. It's been it's been a year, maybe longer. It's been just like when COVID and everything hit, I was already struggling with the injury. Yeah, because I remember when I first met you, you were kind of training a little bit. Yeah, I really can't anymore. Mm. I hope it's not permanent, but there's no like easy route here. I thought just quitting might help my back heal, but it hasn't healed. It's not, it's not, it's not something you can heal by inactivity or activity. It's just nerve pain now. Right. Yeah. Like I should go back, but I'm not putting on weight anymore. So I've like just focused on the eating right. Because that's, that's the main thing, right? Aesthetics. Like, I just don't want to be fat. That's, like, the main reason I started jiu-jitsu. The skill set's there. Like, like you don't lose. I think once you're a blue belt, if you're a BJJ blue belt, you'll understand this. Like, 
I know the skills. They're not as sharp as someone that does it every day, but I'm not going to lose the bare minimum of knowledge. I want to go back. And I swear if I'd never got injured, I wouldn't have played fab. Have you ever, that took up all my time. Have you ever just lost to a Kano and Blitz and you just want to choke him out? <laughs> have you just like looked at them and gone, man, I just could squeeze the life out of you right now? What's funny, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much you know about like the BJJ history. I won't, don't need to delve into it, but it is it is like cheating in the world of fighting. Yeah. And no, I think the knowledge of knowing like, man, I've made people like... Man, I've made people cry on the mats accidentally because I choked them out and they went to sleep before tapping. Like accident, they know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. And they wake up and they're like freaked out. It, it's cheating. Like it, it makes it so easy to not fight. And actually we get like, um, I can explain why by the way, but the point is we, we've had like a lot of cops do BJJ and they're like, do not use it. Even if your life's a threat, do not. Like, be careful what you do. Because if you choke someone and you kill them mm-hmm. and they were trying to kill you, you're going to jail anyway. Why? Because you didn't have to choke them. You just tell the judge that they were Ether Wildfire you for lethal <laughs> and, you know, you just you just had to do Look, it. It's, it's honestly, if you ever do be, it's the biggest ego death. You don't want to fight anymore because no one's, like, you think you're strong till a 40 kilo girl, purple belt, just... She puts you to sleep, man. She squeezes her thighs around your neck for two seconds. You're asleep. Takes you to pound town. You're asleep. And then you wake up and you're like, no, I can outmuscle her for sure, but you're not as quick. Then you're like, okay, but I can be quicker. And then she outmuscles you as well. Because it's just like that Bruce Lee factor. Like people that do it, that really do it, man, it's scary. And and then you're like, I really should get into fights. Like who knows what people know? Like this little girl's smashing me. <laughs> like I'm very competent at jujitsu. I would struggle less with a guy your size at my skill level than like some of the competitive girls that literally weigh 45 kilos. I believe that. It's insane because mm. physics says no. <laughs> but when you're on the floor, some of that kinetic energy goes away because I could swing a punch from standing. But if you put me flat on my back, I don't have the advantage of all that weight and muscle and testosterone. It's not the same. Mm. And maybe they just they just slip a finger in and pull that belt tighter. Well, like in a collar or something. It's all it takes in jujitsu. It's like very little movements. Mm. And like you're wearing a t-shirt, but they scrunch it up and wrap it around your neck. You just go to sleep. Like all that muscle doesn't mean anything when you're asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like you miss it, man. Dude, I, you I, really I, miss I, it. I right? would literally quit Fab if I could train BJJ properly, but I can't. But do you think that? You know, like it sounds like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was such a competitive outlet for you and a learning thing as well. 100%. You know, but you get some of that out of flesh and blood, right? Look, when I say quit, like I would play less. Yeah. Like all the all the evenings I have free used to be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu nights. Like I was trained, trained every day I could. I'd do double sessions. I'd, it's Look, it, it the benefit with that over flesh and blood at the time, well, not playing flesh and blood at all, was it's both social like talk about flesh and blood you need a training part you can't do bjj with a punching bag or like a wrestling dummy like they exist but just doesn't you need someone you need someone's brain and body resisting you it's like a chess match when you grapple anyone that does grappling judo kendo any type you need that like person to sharpen you there's something very very good about that that connection that having community as well mm. um Flesh and Blood definitely ticks the competitive side. Like I've been playing pretty competitively. So you got into Fab last year. You 
saw a video on Rudy's channel. Yeah, the Crucible box. Yeah, we're in lockdown. Man, lockdown was like literally my birthday. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to go to Cairns um, with my partner. Uh, she had a grandma there. I my I honeymooned in Cairns. Beautiful weather, you know. Like, and it's, it was July, so it's like getting cold. Like, let's go get some sun. Then Berejiklian and goes soft lockdown this weekend. So I cancelled, spent the money on a crew box, hit a Shiana, jumped online. I think there was one for like 12000 sold on eBay. I'm like, babe, we just made 12k. It wasn't worth 12k, but you know, because it was after. I think those prices were like April, May that mm-hmm. year. They'd just gone ballistic. But either way, um, that's what got me in. And yeah, but then I'm stuck. So I'm like, well, so how long boxes. did you? How long did you buy product for before you played your first games of Flesh and Blood? Do you remember when we met? Yeah, I do. When was it? September? No, I don't know. Remember what month? But I remember we met for coffee in the cafe down here. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember when because that's exactly how long. I'm sure it was like because what the first? No, that's right. The first thing I did was I drove up and met Ollie even before I met you. I think no. Right after I met you, remember? Because he mm-hmm. made me a deck and I went up during the week, met him and Ryan. That's right. But that would have been, remember? Because I asked you, it was when like, the I want a Dory stopped. deck, let's foil it out. And yep. you're like, talk to this guy, he'll build it. And that was Ollie. Yeah. Ollie put a deck together for me. I went up, I think my first armory was Blood Rush. Right. Yeah. Because that was where my deck was. I didn't have a deck till that day. And you saw yours truly on YouTube and you thought, who is this idiot? Yeah, well, what's crazy is when I first saw your channel, I was like, what the fuck? And I just... Turned it off like yeah, I had I no, like like no no but but you know like sure on YouTube plenty of people do because you've got kids right it's like there's so many kids watching that like screamo like super hyped playing Fortnite oh, like that that's your energy right it's a hundred percent you know me this is not my energy whatsoever so I'm like that's not even entertaining but I I didn't get into the content like I I watch Rudy right you versus Rudy stark opposite. It's when I started, You like the title would be, I'm at Blood Rush Gaming. And I'm like thinking of playing. I couldn't learn how to play online. And I literally, I asked Hayden, I think, because I bought a crew box of Hayden. And I realized he had a like competitive channel. I'm like, dude, can you teach me? How many people I bought boxes off asked them to teach me who didn't have time or said no? That's like, there's a few. No, no, Hayden's great. He just said like, I think he's busy. He's a career guy, you know. He said, um... Try to remember where he, I think he gave you a similar answer, like go to this store and play, and like people will show you how to play. I think I asked him for. Like, I never asked him how to play. I just asked him what hero. I sure, play. I asked him for like private coaching, which is not something Hayden does anyway. So again, it's not. Like, mm. yeah, he didn't like misstep. I'm saying I was searching till I realized you're playing in stores that are like 10, 15 minutes away from me. I think um, I was like, hey, like I know who you are, and I had a small channel, so it's like let's. Um, let's collab. Yeah, and you got you, you, you <laughs> fell in love with the local scene, right? Like, well, especially Blood Rush. It has its own. Like, I don't. If I think some of the stores I've been to since, if I'd gone there first, I might have not. But Blood Rush was like true community. Like this, it's family. Like there's friends. Everyone's friendly. No one plays like for ego. No one's even like we play to win, but no one's really playing to win. Like people care way more about hanging out than winning in that store. Unless it's a pro quest or something, honestly, that's not the vibe in the room, which is the best vibe to have is that casual, casual competitive. Like there's some trash talk and stuff, but no one actually cares if they win. Hmm. No one's salty. No one quits the game because they lost three weeks in a row. Like we don't have that up there. 
So even though you do a lot of stuff online in your channel, which is about cracking boxes and, mm. and, and you know, you talk on different subjects, but when it comes to local community, like in the flesh and blood, people that watch your channel, they might not know you're all about the players. You're all about the new players, equipping them, getting them going, connecting them, encouraging them. Where did that come from? That that desire to, you know, be that um, champion of the new player. It is very different to what you do on YouTube. Well, I think my channel, my channel's for me, first mm-hmm. of all. Mm-hmm. I am documenting my openings. Right. Nowadays, I have a community, 2,300 people, 2,230 actually. That's, I feel like I owe them what they want too. So it's Big like, and flesh, flesh and blood YouTuber in Australia. Okay, keep going. <laughs> for now, for now. Yahtzee's <laughs> back, man. I'm yeah. scared too. Wait, we're going down. <laughs> we are going. Yeah, we're, 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 nah, I've got it muted. We got Yazzie. There he is. Yazzie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yazzie, you're in the soundboard, man. <laughs> Mate, he'll be on the podcast very soon. Too. 100%. 100%. In the flesh and blood. 100%. I, dude, I love that guy. That guy's got a big heart. He does. Yeah. I think... um. Like most things, he can maybe be taken out of context of the wrong way. But like he also is big on the community and yeah. he does a lot. Um, he's just got work and moving and it's tricky. Yeah, but well, man, I don't know. I'm, what I'm saying is the, the channels for me yep. started for me. But in, in the grand scheme of things, I I my experience jumping into the flesh and blood marketplace was pretty bad. I don't care about calling this out because they've made money off me, but like buying that boxer crew for two and a half K off, off um, games cube, like fuck them. The retail was like 1600 max, not even at that. Like I know you could go justify, but the same with good games direct, like the first stuff I bought off them, I didn't realize there was Facebook marketplaces for this stuff. So I got shocked quite often because I had money, but not the know-how, no friends to like talk to. But as I, as I started, like, man, I bought a rainbow foil Ursa for like $200 thinking it's the cold foil one. Do you know what I mean? Like things like that, I got ripped off. I can name people, but it's not the point. The point was, that's why I'm, I do what I do because I'm like, Man, let me explain something. When I I don't lose money on carts. So if I sell you a tunic for like half the prices because I maybe bought it in a big bundle or something. Like I never, I don't personally lose or bleed for shit. But I also make sure when a new player joins, the first experience is like, man, you need a card, like a big card. Talk to me first. Don't. But you are super generous, man. Not only with your time, you give out so many mats. You do give out cards. Geez, you gave out how many boxes? Of Everfest for our Christmas that, party that up fun. at Bloodbrush. You've done heaps, fun. man. Yeah, like, but does that come from... I want to tie that back. You said, you know, interesting thing. You said you grew up in like, you know, quite a religious, you know, yeah. evangelical home. Do you think no, that man, generosity no, no. does... That's, does it come from that? purely my grandfather. Yeah, but does it come... Does that generous... Oh, so it comes from your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. He, he was the godfather of his village for sure. So you like, like, I remember just before he passed, like... Okay, my grandfather taught me the first and biggest lesson in my life. My parents were like, because my grandfather was quite well off. I don't think he was at the end, but as a kid, he was very rich. Like as a kid, it felt like he was very rich because he would always like give us money and um, big house and, you know, uh, very short story, but might as well because I, I love my grandfather. He um made a lot of money in construction. He even moved here with his brothers and they actually were like some of the best foremen in Sydney when Sydney was growing because they were some of the only foremen that understood 
how to build staircases in big buildings. Um, like all immigrant stories, like very high skill, very hard workers, very honest. They paid their houses off in three, four years, you know, but he didn't like it here. So his brother stayed, um, who's still alive and like much younger brother, but my grandfather went back to Lebanon, uh, built this massive apartment block with family money. And then one of the first shells in the 60s, I believe, or maybe in the 80s, in, in one of the wars, hit that building before he'd sold a single apartment in it. Because back then, you're not selling off the plan. Like, you build it and then you sell it. The, oh, selling off the plan and debt and stuff is a different thing in the Middle East. Like, for instance, Muslims don't believe in paying interest, and so they very rarely borrow money, and that's the case here. So he, t he lost everything, lost all the family's money, I believe. Uh, but built back. But the the lesson he taught me was, um, he would always tell us, if you need anything, ask me. Now, I'm a kid. So I'd go up to him. I, I, I wouldn't go up to him. I went up to him once and I said, hey, you do it, your grandpa. Like, can I have a hundred dollars? It's like, and by the way, a lot of money, 100 US back then, a lot of money. In Lebanon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, was that a month's wage, two months' wage? No, 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 not a week's wage. Probably at the time, right? Okay. A lot of money for a, like a 10-year-old to be asking. <laughs> but he goes, what for? And I told him I wanted a bike. And he just reached in his pocket and gave me $100. And then I got in a lot of trouble from my parents. But I was like, but he said anything I want to ask him. Like he, he didn't say anything I need. He said, whatever you want, come to your grandfather. Like don't ask anyone else, come to your grandfather. And I, I there's so much security in that. Mm. Like, I never asked him again. It was like one of those things, like, when you know it's there, you don't need it. Like, my parents didn't have money. And 100 bucks was, like, insane. Like, I had no way to ever see $100. And he, he just gave it to me. And I don't know what it cost him. But I think that's where it comes from. Like, I've always been, if I have it, you have it. Like, mm. again, I don't bleed for anyone. Mm. Like, I'm just as selfish as the next person. I, I live my lifestyle. I, I want what I want. But if I've got like a tunic and you want a tunic and I happen to have 10 of them, it's, you know what I mean? Or playmats. Like, do you know how many playmats I have? I hate storing them. Like, if, if, if so, like your, your friends, um, Brent and Matt, like, yeah, I gave them Alpha Rampage playmats. I had three. Like, you know what I don't need is three. <laughs> Here's two of them. And hopefully people just pass it forward. That's, that's the, like, the end goal is, is a little bit selfish in the sense of it'll grow the game. Yeah, you wanted to see the game grow, community yeah, grow. So I, don't, I don't, I don't want anything. Like, I, it's not like, oh, you owe me. Like, hey, maybe when you win next week's armory, like, can you give me that playmat? I, I don't. Just you, hopefully, don't need the playmat. That also, as just as long as the money or the value stays in the community, I'm pretty happy. Mm. But so, all, like, so that unconditional generosity. Thanks for sharing that story. That was beautiful. Comes from your grandfather for sure. Okay, for okay. sure. He yeah, was that's nice. <laughs> I think he's the only person I've ever met like him. Mm. And I, I think I've, I've emulated it subconsciously for a long time and then realized after he passed and everything that, oh, like, actually, you know what? People hated him for it too because he was too generous maybe. Like, then he becomes the crutch for people and people don't learn. Well, I have that same problem. Like, I don't think anyone's ever asked me for something and I've said no. Mm. <laughs> like, in my personal life. I have a big... But, but there's some arrogance to that too. It's like, if you said... John, like, I really need this. It may not be money, whatever it is. Like, I'm a good enough problem solver to work my issue with that. Like, if you need help moving and I don't have a lot of time, 
I'm capable of helping you move and then getting through the shit I need to do very efficiently and quickly. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So I'll take on a little bit of extra stress if I feel like it's one layer of stress for me, saving you two layers of stress. It's a fair trade I'll take it on. Mm. And that's it's just who I am. So you made a big splash into the local scene. You had your small channel at the time. <clears throat> you're collecting your opening. You're documenting it on your channel. You connect with me. You connect with the German soldier up there at Blood Rush. You start playing in you know a couple of events here and there. And then, but you don't know a lot of people. You're not like really grounded no. in the community. And you know, you make you're trying to. Uh, I guess at the time you were, you know, trying to promote your channel, and you said you had, you know, a few <laughs> little situations. And I thought I'd bring up the funny one when you got banned from the Oceana Facebook oh, trading. I'm page. an admin now. Yeah. So you hello, went, what's up, Oceana? You went, you went from being banned <laughs> to becoming an admin. I'll never forget that story when you messaged me. That, that is said, my life story, right there. Yeah, you said. Fucking hell, Paul. I've been banned from this thing. Can you help me out? And Jordan, big shout out. Thankfully. Jordan's the best. Yeah, he's the best. And um, what's funny is I sort of fixed that on, on the sly because the person that banned me is also a big collector and trader and I just did a few deals with him and suddenly all was good in the world again. Mm. Yeah, I'm not one for making enemies. That's not. Yeah. I, by the way, I got banned because I promoted my channel. Yeah. Again. But I had been promoting my channel for weeks. I think they got pissed off, but I was like, but just tell me, I'll stop doing it. It was a funny story, though. <laughs> it was funny when I said to, when I spoke to Jordan about it that night because I knew yeah, Jordan yeah. through playing armories at From the Deep. Yes. And, See, I'm uh, a regular there now. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You are a regular there. Yeah. I haven't been there. I think enough. I go more than most people. Just me and Sam Govins. Shout out, Sam. Sam. Um, <laughs> kid, son. How are you, son? Yeah, that's our son. <laughs> it, was just, it was just me and him. Mm. So we played three rounds. I won on paper. Actually, we played like eight rounds, I think, total. We just kept playing. Um, but yeah, it was just us. So I you, like going there. Yeah, it's good. So yeah. you make the splash, ruffled a few feathers. Whatever. Whatever. All sorted. And then you start really getting ingrained. You start making some good relationships in the community. We're seeing the community grow in all of our local stores. Yep. You're attending armories, you know, most nights of the week. You're starting to play in skirmishes. You're doing streaming at nationals. You know, you see your channels is starting to take off. You know, talk us through that. Like, did that just happen or did you have a strategy yeah, like, or what was going on? The channels changed a lot. Yeah. It used to just be like, here's an alpha box. I'm opening it. And it, you know, honestly, didn't get that many views. I just thought one day maybe if the game blew up, people will come back and watch it the same way they watch um, like alpha boxes of magic being open. Like people tune in because it's so rare and expensive. But there was no, there's no plan. Like I've just been doing what I want to do. So the streaming was really fun. And actually it's probably it's still my best viewed content now is when I stream, especially if I can stream because Australian time zone is earlier than most. So if I jump on with history pack, the street date is first for us. Like midnight for us is earlier than everyone else. So I, I'm in that little like uprising. It'll be the same. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely have the first big stream of Uprising. I'm going to do 10 cases minimum. If I can actually get someone to help me, I'll do more. Because what's going to be hard is taking breaks, putting cards away. Like the opening is fun, but um, that's. But also I'm doing it because it's fun. Like I would love to get into like doing proper gameplay video like Fabrica or like Mansant or like Arsenal Pass, but that stuff's not fun unless I hire an editor. If I hire an editor... I'll be a gameplay channel. I'd, I'd love to record my gameplay, hand it to someone and go put the life counters, like go through every minute, 
put the card image up like 100%. We were talking about that just before. Then. If I had an editor, also channel like is making money, but it's making, actually to be honest, it's probably making just enough to pay an editor with the money I make from it. But I, I just want to have fun, which is actually playing in the game is more fun than opening packs for me. I'm doing quite well too. Like I'm learning. Mm. Uh, I've ever, it's, I wouldn't say I'm competitive because I, I, I'm not competitive enough to just play Starvo as an example. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it really gets my juices flowing when I go on Dory and top eight. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's like, and I made that deck. Like I'm giving card guys a shout out because I started with their deck, but no one told me to go buy three packs of the new set and add the cards in. <laughs> You from know the, from I mean? the classic battles. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's all me after. After watching the car, there's more inspiration than using their yeah. deck. But um, but that's what you need sometimes. And, man, I, I'm not, I know I'm not responsible for everyone playing Dory, but I, I, I saw someone under your post saying, oh, someone in our local scene who wasn't playing because he liked Dory, I told him he top 80 with Dory and he won our pro quest. He came back to play. And won. I'm like, he did that because of me? That's the best thing I've ever done in Fab. Yeah. That was awesome. And and it's true. Like, I saw that because, uh, you know, I, I keep my finger on the pulse somewhat. Yep. So I see, you know, uh, meta breakdowns, yep. things of that nature. And I saw Dory taking up a bigger slice of the pie. So, you know, I know that you'd been vocal about what you've been doing with Dory and you've got a decent enough platform. Yeah. So I just put two and two together and thought, okay, well, you know, I think, I think John's... part of it is all the OG players, mm. Haydendale, for instance, like a lot of them played a lot of Dory. And they know the numbers and they know how that deck works. But but then a lot of new stuff comes out that is stronger for sure. Um, different metas and then they shelve it. Like I spoke to Matt Rogers about it. Like he, he loves Dory, but it just isn't strong enough to play. But see, Matt Rogers and Haydendale didn't jump on Dory for ProQuest. If I came top eight, if I came semifinals on Dory at ProQuest, what do you think Haydendale does with the deck? Mm. He goes 6-0. Yeah. 100% I misplayed every time I played. Like, I know I misplayed. I can point you at the time where I blocked with the wrong card. Like, I know. Because you do play fast yeah, yeah, sometimes. I, like, I, you, you that's some- how I learned. Like, I'm yeah. not there to take up. I, I finish my games in 20 minutes. Win or lose. I, like, like, if I was a disciplined player, I would win the thing. I'm mm. playing quite well, but I misplayed. But I prefer to misplay than overthink and get bored because my attention spans are not long enough for 55-minute rounds. Like... I will just concede. Like uh, against Oldham, I'm more likely. I conceded against Starvo <laughs> at at the um, quarterfinals. I heard about that. Yeah, like lovely player. The girl, I think she felt. I'm trying to remember her name now. Um, Kieran no. from New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. What was her name? She played against our. She's f- great. Friend in the I think semifinal. I made her feel bad because she she was like apologizing. I'm like, no, no. Like I'm so dis disengaged with the game. <laughs> this game, I'm just out. Like, like, um. I'm not gonna. Why? Like I got, I got Oak and Old twice in a row, and then you got another one out. Three in a, no, I just can no. <laughs> like I have no interest in in spending like an hour to lose or something. Mm. If I'm gonna lose, I lose quick. I should play Kano. It just actually hurts my brain. Like I don't have a maths brain, so because you were you have experimented with a lot more heroes than me. You've played yeah, I've played, you've I have, played I have, Valda, I You've played Icelander, Dory. I've played Kano for a bit. Kano, what else have you played? Um, um, is that is that it? Five, six heroes, maybe at least. Yeah, I've dabbled, especially on TTS. <laughs> I've played Oldham on TTS. I've played like pretty much. I've drafted as well, Bravo, like OG Bravo and Reinar, because those as well kind of Wraith were great for that to 
just sink your teeth into new decks. Mm. So I've played Reiner. I don't like the play style, but I understand it a lot more after drafting it. But um, you know, I'm I'm in the game. The thing is, I'm in the way I'm in. Like I I'm not an I'm not the type of person to like min max and and check every card and know every synergy. Like I don't understand every deck. The reason I do well on Dory is I think it's because other people f- don't know how to play against my deck. Not not that I like the way I'm playing Dory now is man, I didn't sideboard against anybody and I top aided three out of four. How do you find Dory in CC compared to Blitz? Is she, it she's much stronger in Blitz. Yeah, but how do you find, I guess, what am I trying to say here? How do you find the play, the play styles? Yeah, like... But that's what I'm saying. I wasn't playing Dory the way... Okay, you know young Ryan plays Oldham, but he plays a pretty aggro Oldham? Like, he'll go down to two health and then kill you, which is abnormal, right? Because Oldham can usually stay on 30 health or be low health, but you run out of cards. He plays aggro. I did my... Do- the way I'm playing Dory now is I'm going to ignore... What- I'm, I'm going to play chicken with you. I'm going to point my car at you and floor it and let's see who blinks. That's literally what I've done. That's the that's the deck is I'm playing chicken. It's like gone in 60 seconds. It's like I'm not I'm not move I'm not moving. You kill me or I kill you, but I'm I'm my entire mission is that counter on my dawnblade is going to grow and grow till you block. It's <laughs> like I literally played I I did not block. The reason I didn't do better in the in the second last pro. So I I went four one in the last pro quest. The one before that I didn't do as well because um, match one, I took nine damage from a Reinar and match two, I took 12 damage from a dash because like, un- like I couldn't actually do better. Than- like I started the game on 30 health. There was one game they started on 40, I started on 20. Like by the time I did any damage, I was on 20 health. But my mission was we're both on 40 Let's see who gets scared first. And Dory, I feel like people forgot how scary she was. Because hmm. I'd go, I'd wait till my tunic ticked up, have an arsenal. I would use the tunic resource to swing my sword. So I'm telling you, I've got five cards to react on that Dawnblade. So you've got to bet, you you bet I've got damage pumps. You bet I've got to go again pump. But which ones do I have? And which five do I have? And go ask anyone I played against, like, oh. <laughs> like, I mean, Philip's probably one of the best fab brains we know. Mm-hmm. I got him down to one on his Lexi, and I was on one. And that shouldn't be that close of a matchup. Because it's like, he has to... I wasn't respecting him. And he got a little bit unlucky, but suddenly you get one off turn against Dora, and she gets two, three counters, and it's like, oh, crap, like, this is snowballing. I just didn't... I didn't block much, and I didn't... It feels, look, I'm not uh, very experienced with CC, but it feels like CC is quite a fast chicken-type format. I think it is Everyone's now. pointing their guns and saying, you know, I don't really well, care. Well, there's a meme you're... going around that's fairly accurate. It's like you start fab, you don't block because you're like you're a Timmy, and then, you know, you, you peak and you're, like, blocking, and then the real, like, big brain is to not block. Yeah. I, I think there's a maths thing behind it mm. where you block with a card that stops three, as an example, mm. but most cards do four damage. Like as a mm. value wise, like like a snatch is zero cost three block four damage with an on hit. Mm. So it's always better to use that as an attack than a than a defense. 
some decks operate okay with the blocks, like Guardians and a little bit Brute, right? Like Brute, you can sort of still do exactly what you're trying to do with two cards some turns instead of four. Um, but that I think it's a maths thing, which is like weird in the game now. And looking at all the cards in, in Uprising, you can see where they're going with some cards that are like, be careful, like take it too much damage because you think you're going to win and then suddenly your cards have no text that like... Like your brute cards don't say brute anymore because you got hit with. What I'm probably going to say right mm. now is just going to get absolutely stripped apart. But I had a back and forth with someone on Twitter, a great mm. back and forth, a, a, a brute expert, a lot more experienced than me, sure. Reiner, okay? And I was talking through how I find the, you know, the dash matchup in Blitz specifically sometimes can be a bit problematic, you know, because they've got the bloody one, they've guaranteed one tech low pounder out. They're usually getting two. Yeah. And they're like, no, just play the club, go defensive block for three turns, let the yep. tech lows disappear. And I'm, that doesn't work. In my, I'm like, can someone tell me, how does that work when they're coming in with four attacks with the tech low pounder and I've only got, what, three or four cards to block? We Do the math on that. Yep. They're always going to so, get in four to six damage. And then what am I just going to so block a couple of things. die? The reason they called the Dory versus Reiner match a classic battle is mm. uh, uh, Yasi was explaining to me, uh, Ben. He said... Like, the numbers are predictable. Mm. You know the Rhino is going to roughly do two Intims, and he's roughly going to come in between six and nine damage. That's what you can expect from a Rhino. Dory's the same. You you roughly expect a three damage swing and maybe a three pump or another three, right? It's very predictable. you got to know that some decks, the mass don't work. So there's some decks that you're just not, it's unlikely you'll win against. Well, that was my point. Is like, so there's no point like me talking. <clears throat> like I don't even practice the older matchup on my warrior because it's just, mm. it feels like a nun match. But the more important thing is I also stopped listening to people because you go watch all the deck list tiers, mm. none of them match, which means it's not exact maths. And you start to find that people that, Man, no one has all the time in the world and no one's running this client online where they're gathering data and running it through AI and giving answers that way. People are playing what they play. And of course, they're going to rate what they play more because they play it and they're good at it, especially if they're a good player. Like 100% I've watched Arsenal Pass videos and gone, like the, the draft video, I was like, that's wrong because if everyone followed that principle, the principle stops working. Like if we all skip the first three packs and only draft generics from it, then no one knows what the you know what I mean. Like some of the strategies people talk about, um, are very very specific to how they play or only work in a vacuum. Um, well, that's so a if someone's trying to explain like, uh your Rhino versus this matchup, do this. First of all, it might just be a crap matchup no matter what because of the numbers of how many attacks and how wide dash goes. But second, you're the one that actually mains Rhino. So unless you're talking to a Rhino main. Hmm. who can show you, like, actually them beating Dash predictably, then I wouldn't even take... I was, like, this This. This was from a sound player. I'm not, hmm. like, the source was good. I just I just don't understand. Like, in CC, sure, I can see how you'd play a grindy back and forth and sure. you'd eke advantage. I can see that you can put defense. But in Blitz, I'm just like, how can I play blockout strategy for three or four turns? It's not, I'm going to be dead. Like, you're yep. on 20 life. Against Dash or, and Blitz. They've got one or two Teclo pounders. The only way I beat Dash when I play against it in Blitz with Reiner is I race and I go yep. over the top. Well, I just go over the top. It. And I block with maybe the odd card out of my hand that's yep. dead. 
a dead card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I use I think my the numbers are obvious in Blitz. So they get a pounder out turn one usually, right? Yeah, that's their that's starting, their starting one. Yeah. Well, they have it for three turns in CC and Blitz. In CC, you can just go no blocks for three turns and you might still have a life left. In Blitz, that's impossible. Yeah. Like by the time that Teclo's done, you're close to... Like I, it's very rare Blitz goes past that six turn mark, right? It's three each. How many times have you seen them put that away? Mm. Like usually two, three turns, you know who the winner is in Blitz. It's tricky, man. And the dice roll thing is tricky. Dice rolls matter, especially in Blitz. Yeah, but that's out of your control. And that's, that's I think, a big thing. Remember everyone used to go second? Jeez, last year when I first started playing Fab, everyone yeah, would go second. But no, now no one goes but second. But very few decks could do damage turn one. Mm. Now it's like every deck can do damage turn one. I can't remember the last time in Blitz, even in CC, where someone elected to go second. Yeah, I, I, I did at, at ProQuest. It cost me a game, I think. Really? No, I went first against Briar, but because we weren't going to block, I should have gone second. Because that's the only turn I'm going to block. So that's what people say is like, if you're not planning to block, so if you're pl- if you're going to race dash... But I need to go first because I'm Rhino. I can get some big damage in through my intents. Sure, but what I'm, I don't know which is better, but the logic in going second would be you get a tick off their Tecla Pounder with a full free block. Yeah. Right? Which one's better? You'd have to test. You'd have to mm. play five games minimum of just you going second against us and then five of you going first and see how it feels. But I, but I'm, what I would see is you're going to get a Tecla Pounder tick off for free mm-hmm. because they put it up. Usually the dash player goes, bup, 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 bup. if you can get away with only taking three or four life that turn, but one tech club because you can you will block with three cards because you're drawing. Mm. But to be honest, I'm again I'm not the maths brain for that. Like I'm sure I could put it all in a spreadsheet and tell you, but I don't have the mind for it. Someone could. So before we get into the call in mm. uprising, because we'll be there in a tick, I just want to say at the moment, you go on YouTube, yep. you're actively playing, you love competing, you're getting better, you're still, you know, championing the new players around you. And you're active on the auction sites. Mm. You know, you see, you sell lots there. Sometimes they go for quite good prices. Deck box auctions, check them out, Facebook. And then, and so what's the future? What What's the plan for the next six months? Man, if the, like, there's been, I don't know if you've, there's been some stagnant growth in Fab. Like there were months that the channel grew a lot quicker. I think if the channel keeps growing, it itself can turn into something bigger. Um which means it'll take more time. Uh, we're obviously like recognized by Flesh and Blood, like LSS themselves, which is a nice partnership to have, like when you're dealing with the developer. And I don't know, I'd, I'd like to do more things with them. I'd like to go to more events. We've talked about maybe finding ways to get our channels to send us to these events without, you know, having to sink, like actually spend our money. It'd be great to have a sponsor or just enough revenue from the channels to go, you know what, this pays for my tickets twice a year to Pro Tour and um, that's the goal. For As content goes, like I said, I think if I get... So I'm trying to launch a business, so I'm not spending money I don't... Like my income is not what it used to be while I'm trying to launch it. So when I launch it, if things go well, hire an editor. Then I'll do whatever content I feel like doing. I'd love to do... Like I'd love to do Tall Timmy vs. Fluke gameplay like every week, like grudge matches. Like, you got, why you not? got a death wish? Me. Mm. Dory versus Reiner. It's oh. a very fun matchup. Like, yeah. It's fun. doesn't matter how that matchup goes. It's interactive. That's why it's fun. Like It's good to watch because we will have to block and we will like 
there will be surprises and there will be triple intims and there will be attack reactions you won't expect. It's not boring. Like like a Kano matchup is boring unless you understand Kano because it feels like the other player didn't need, didn't matter if they attacked or didn't attack, they died anyway. Starvo is the same. Like it doesn't matter what you do to Starvo. If he gets the right things in a row, he numerically, mathematically impossible to kill if he can hit you, make you discard cards. Like it's a bit nuts. Uh, Rana Dori. It's fun. doesn't matter. Do I have a death wish? Look, I'm taking my... Uh, shout out to FabDB. Uh, Kirk's going to be there. I'm taking my Rana vs. Dory sleeve deck, leaving it with him. We can play there. He wants people to come and play Blitz against him. I think that's a fun matchup. So you got the what, uh, classic battles? Yeah, yeah. It's just sleeved up, ready to go. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be doing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I always carry... I used to carry two Ira decks. This is better than the Ira decks, for mm. sure. Because it has, like... Both decks have I've got instances. your. I've got. A, I've got two of your Ira decks. I'll bring them as well. Keep them. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. They're yours anyway. Mm. But they're they're fun. But I feel like this deck is more fun. People can challenge. Princess well, also, Spike. people can go. Hey, can I try the brute? And then they switch and have a whole new game to play. Well, the Ira ones mm. like that mirror match gets stale. It's to teach you the game. But I think the Dory Rhino is teaches you the game, and then you're like, you know what? I might because this is what's been happening. I've given away some of those boxes to people. I uh, gave one away at uh, Grimdark in Wollongong, uh, given three, no, six now out on the channel total. Those people contact me going, hey, I love that Dory deck. How do I make it better? Mm. Which uh, not as many people used to do with the Ira decks because it's so far behind. It's got three of every card. It's like you nearly want to tell them, like, chuck it. But these decks, they have armor and everything. So you already have the deck and then you can change it bit by bit. You don't have to... You know, the Ira decks, you have to add equipment and then you have to add weapons and then you have to also, you know what I mean? Yeah. These decks function. Like that Bone Basher is very good. Is it better than Club? No, but that's not the point. It's very, it hits for four. Four is a very good number in Fab. Mansense, a big fan of it. Like, it doesn't matter if you get that plus one damage every time. It's not, that's not the point of the weapon. The point of the weapon's pressure and it's a good weapon. Mm. You can play it forever. It's cold foil. You never have to change it. I don't think you'll ever win a game because you had the Club. You know what I mean? Mm. Is it better in a tournament? For sure. Do you need it to win a game? Nope. Again, if I gave Hayden Dale a Reinhardt deck with a Bone Basher, he'd probably still beat me. <laughs> he probably would. That's, yeah, so it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you gave him the Ira deck against my Dory deck, no chance. <laughs> mm. Well, okay, so let's move into Uprising World Premiere and, and Calling Weekend. A couple of days away. Okay, with two sleeps. And then we're there. We're starting on Friday. Hopefully I can post this episode. I'll try and post this episode tonight. I'm getting good at it. I'll just fix the audio and upload it. So it should be in, yeah, one sleep for people. Okay, so you're in a team. Mm-hmm. Can you divulge divulge uh, teams? Does the team have a name? You know, Paul goes divulge and then he like grabs a pen and paper. That's, that's the front. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's oh, like, can you divulge? Let's get into it. Where do, are your deck lists? Do we have a team name? <laughs> No, no team name. Okay. We're too professional for that. All right. What are you running? Dex. Uh, one Brute. Oh, fuck. What? <laughs> what Brute? Jeez. I, th I think at the moment it's Reinhard Dash Dory. Okay. That's good I spread. Think also, they all have <coughs> fairly good matchups. Yeah. Like, I personally don't like being across the table from either of them, yep. any of them. Well, for instance, if I saw a Valda, I'd be like, okay. Hmm. You know what I mean? And you're strong. You're all three of you are competent players. Well, everyone's on their deck. Yeah. yeah, I I was, I sort of thought about playing Briar because I felt like 
you know, if we're going to try and win, let's win. But to be honest, Briar can miss a lot. Like, while on my Dory, I, I can navigate better. Like, if I have a really bad draw on Dory, I'm not going to feel as bad as... Like, a Briar misses, like, having three cards that block for two. Well, that doesn't happen with Dory. I always have armor. I always, there's a ways to pivot or, or change tempo. So that's it. We're, we're on decks we know. Do you have, before I get in, mm. break down of my team, do you have any, you know, strategy or insights that you're taking no, into this event? Look, I don't think you can, I think this whole seeding meta and stuff is all a load of baloney. Like just, it's not. It is. It's not. But, but you I'll break can't it down control where I'm sitting. You yeah. control where you're sitting. Exactly. But you don't know where we're sitting. That's fine. So it's irrelevant. All right. So you can have the perfect strat. The thing I think with us three is because we know our own decks and no one needs help on their deck, we're going to be fine. <clears throat> the only thing that might happen is even if you've got to say it across to the person, one like if you're on the left and they're on the right and you want to ask them, hey, what do I do against this opponent like on this deck, you can just ask that anyway. Like I don't think anyone's going to need to look at anyone's hands and see lines, like, there's no way we need that. Okay. Let me break it down for you. Frank. Yeah, yeah, tell me. All right, so... What's your name? Tall Timmy, right? Yeah, Timmy? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're in Team Brute. Uh, I don't know team name, Team High Rollers, Team High, Team Vacuum Cleaners. We'll get there. <laughs> so it's yours truly, Tall Timmy, with the German Soldier, the owner of Blood Rush Gaming and co-owner of Deckbox Facebook auction page and the spicy meatball, Matteo himself. Three of us... Three brute decks. I'll be on Reinar, the German soldiers on KO, and Matteo is on Levia. I was really hoping you guys got a Levia. new Reinar. That would have been cool. It would have been cool. So all of us are, you know, I'd say we're pretty proficient at our decks. We're definitely not experts at the game, but um, you know, I could say we're we're, we're average, just above average. We well, can all high roll anyway. We can high roll. So <laughs> day one is going to be seven rounds of blitz. And I believe we're talking this Saturday. So after the uprising preview. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We're talking about the calling. And there's going to be, I think you have to go X and two to yep. cut to day two. So you can only lose twice. You can only lose twice. We can win five. So we are trying to high roll five wins. Now, that's I our, believe a win name. requires two of your teammates to win. And so, it counts as a win. Yeah. So it's, there's three. There's of no you extra points for the third win. No. Yep. There's three in a team. Two of you. Two of the rounds win. need to, you need to win. What two. is that? Is that 60% basically? Yeah. So yeah. two out of three of you need to win. Our thoughts are. Uh, Ko will be in the middle, okay, and the flanks will be Reiner and Levia for a few reasons. My thoughts are <clears throat> with this event that around forty percent of teams will have an Oldham deck, okay, maybe thirty-five, forty percent of teams will have an Oldham deck, and I think 60 percent of teams even will either have a uh, Dash Briar. Or chain, mm -hmm. or or a combination of both. Yeah. Okay. The high aggro. Exactly. And I think predominantly in that middle seat, you're either going to see your dash. Yep. The uh, quick game. Yeah. You're either going to see your dash briar chain, or you're going to see Oldham. Mm -hmm. And I think Kano doesn't give a shit what either of those decks are doing. No. The way that his deck is out. No, of no. Three Ko just if he rolls a couple of sixes, it might be over exactly. already. The way that he's run it is he can go over the top of both of those decks. He can yep. roll over Oldham and he can sure as hell roll over those aggro decks. Yeah. So he's he he he's probably the most has the most linear deck sure. out of the three of us. Plus he has experience playing 
all brute decks. Yeah, yeah. So he can, you know, give some suggestions to his left and right. So that's our plan. That's my thing. I think the seedings, I don't think they matter as much as some people think they do, but I think they do matter. And one thing is, because I've played in team events with Magic, just remember out there, the amount of time it takes to d- discuss things, you'll see in the first yep. two rounds, people, people will go to time. Yep. Do well, not this is underestimate how much time you lose. the bone I have to pick with your strategy. Yeah. I actually don't think Oldham's that strong for that reason. And I don't... I think some of the top players will, will not be playing Oldham. Not because they can't play the deck because they'll worry their opponent will take them to time. I do have a feeling it's like one of those... Is it worth the risk playing? Like, if you're going to play Oldham to never lose in Blitz, all D reacts, right? You have mm. a lot of defense reacts. I think you'll struggle because other people will start getting fl- flustered, like your opponent, and then they'll be asking questions like, dude, like, I'm at 10 cards. What should I do? Da da da. Check it out. What, like, do you, and then you might, by playing Oldham, lead your team into a few losses that you were winning the game, but <coughs> go to time. Yeah, because if, if, uh, A, if, if seats A and B, um, one each One each And then it's up to the middle It's up to the middle And you, if there's any Oldham in the middle mm. That loses A team Like I, th- I think I think At the final tables Whoever's on Oldham Will have a very good chance At winning mm. Every round But I think during the elimination You know you got 35 minutes It's a big event No one's like giving you Five extra minutes Nothing It's When they hit that timer it's, You know sometimes at events I've hit the timer The people haven't sat down yet mm. I think it's just... It's yes, just you don't have to sideboard, but Oldham's slow, yeah. man. It's something to keep in mind that, you know, you have to you have to play with a bit of speed and yeah. don't underestimate how much extra time We also shouldn't even check things. the time, but just play. Like, if, you, if yeah. you're just sitting thinking, you're not playing. Mm. Like, you should know your lines. You should have... If, if you don't have time to test, jump on, like, felt table or something. Test by yourself. Like, draw cards, make decisions. Draw cards, make decisions. It helps. Mm. Yeah. It's, you, so that's what we're doing for the uh, the calling, the main event. And then on the Friday, we have the world premiere sealed for Uprising. That is going to be so good. I haven't played Flesh and Blood Limited since the WTR Farewell We haven't draft. played sealed in ages. Yeah. Sealed is different again. It's like six packs, make a deck. Sealed is, uh, look, again, I, I can't, I haven't played a lot of Flesh and Blood Limited. So I'm always going to harken back to Magic. But I've drafted a few drafts in Flesh and Blood mm. now. I think sealed rewards um, uh, competent players, okay? Yeah. Bread and butter, like really knowing the fundamentals of how to play. I um, think where draft is a different skill set, yeah. you can you can you can basically force decks, force synergies, force strategies. In sealed, you rely on your own skill to get yeah. you through. Okay, sure, you might open a bomb up here and there, but people tell you that people that say that skill sealed is all luck. That's BS. No, it's no. not. It's not at all. The good players will generally always rise to the top in sealed, yeah. even yeah, with weak pools. There's uh, card games are complicated. Like you need, uh, like in Fab, you're gonna need X amount of reds and blues mm. to function, depending mm-hmm. on the deck. Which also we don't really know how that works in the new set. I'm mm-hmm. sure some people are figuring it out, but it's very vague. I'd but, love to open but a crack hot ninja pool. Between all the reds and blues mm. and yellows, like the the color synergy, you then need cost synergy, and then you need enough like, and then the card synergy itself. So you kind of a deck full of three costs, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 complicated. That's why like 
the good players know, okay, I hit four Majestics, but I can't run any of them because it just won't work. And they'll go with the generic attacks mm. that he help their like resource curve and stuff versus, you know what I mean? Because I've done that in draft on Dory. I've taken too many driving blades that cost two and I could never like, yeah. just didn't work because I wasn't, I thought they were good cards, but I didn't realize too many two costs. I'd say to especially new players at Flesh and Blood or new players at Limited, play proactively. Yep. Okay, so play a deck that's actually doing something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and pick like, something you want to yeah, do in the, the deck. And The last thing yeah. you want to do is draw hands that can't do anything. Yeah. Okay, you, you want to be doing something each turn. Unless you're very high level and you've crafted some amazing strategy yep. of fatigue or you're doing something fancy. I For think most people, picked... you just want to be putting on pressure every turn. Mm blocking effectively, yep. maximizing your damage output, keeping it very simple yep. for most people, right? My, my advice, uh, remember, and I think, was it Hayden Dale said that the other day? Um, no, Matt Rogers did on Fab with Matt. Fatigue is a big thing in, 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 in limited. limited. Oh, yes. So remember, like, if you just have good D-reacts and defense... Your damage can be low, but you can you can easily get some like this new ninja banishes cards like a mofo. Like if that deck's not balanced and like same as dash, if dash is constantly boosting, you just have to block. It's a thirty card form. You got thirty yep. cards. Yep. The other thing to keep cards. in mind, uh, I think they picked sealed because people can force the hero they want to try. Well, in draft is a little bit harder. No, no, it's easier to force a hero on draft. Really? Way, yeah, way easier. You have way more cards in sealed. Doesn't matter. You, you draft. You just pick the the cards you want for your hero. That that's what yeah, draft but if other is about. People are, like if if your pod is like half doing Dromai, you can't <laughs> force it. You can you can because you can force other people off it, or then mm. you can just hop and hop into another hero and go heavy. You can't really force anything concealed. You get given six packs. You stack your piles up for each um, yep. hero type. And, and and away you go, you know? Like, generally, like, new players will just look at the largest stack and play that. But yeah. that's... Your hand's forced in sealed. That's sure. why the power level's generally lower than a draft deck. Okay. And you'll have to rely on your skill a bit more to take you over the line. Where in draft... This is from previous experience in draft. You can get away with drafting, like, uh, overpowered decks. So, yeah, yeah. winning games just because no, sure. you're I not the better player, but because your deck's just so much more powerful. I remember someone drafted, uh, got a crown of seeds on Briar. <laughs> no one could beat him. Yeah. It's too easy to, like, filter your hand. Yeah. is so strong, especially in limited. No one's filtering their hand. No one has sink belows in a Tails draft. And then this guy on Briar is just like, dooped. And the thing I like about the World Uprising premiere, it, it really is a big fat pre-release. Yes. It's casual. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing deck Yeah, don't lists. take it too seriously. Well, Although the rewards are pretty good. Like yeah. you win six, you get boxes. Yeah, the, but the rewards are fine. But mm. I do like the casual nature of it. It's a good warm-up into the calling. Yeah. You have a laugh. You can drop if you want. You, you know, like we're there just to play with the new cards yeah. and, and do fun And remember, things, guys, you, you, know? you don't have to value draft anymore. Like if you hit a cold foil, it's not in your – I think in sealed you can play it, but you definitely can keep it. Too. Like, if you see a cold foil, it's in the token yeah. slot now. So you open your pool of sealed cards. Because it's not competitive RL, you're not going to have to pass them to the person next to you or something like that. Whatever you open, oh, sick. you're keeping. So take it easy. Mm. Um, have fun. Just have fun with it. 
um, play with the new cards, hit some marvels and fables, and jump oh, out. Dude, of your someone's seat. gonna scream. Then just scream, yeah. Because hundred like now. the ratio of legendaries will hit legendaries mm. for sure. And are we sold out? I don't know. I haven't seen the thing saying we're sold out or not. We'd be very out. close. I think what we were at last, 90%. 90. It said 90. 90%. That was also, a few days ago. Yeah, but maybe like whatever. I haven't said sold out yet. So And there's people coming from New Zealand and yeah, some people, Southeast Kale Asia. Kale McGrath's coming. Oof. Kale. Wait. Come say you know, he's, I think he said Sydney, but I'm pretty sure he's going to France too. But hopefully he, he comes to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, he did. I said we'll meet him there. Yeah, wicked. So we'll be there Friday. Yep. We'll probably... Now, by the way, guys... um. This is some negative feedback, but I did message uh, OPFAB um, going, hey, guys, like, is there a plan for streaming? Who should I contact? Zero reply. Because no, I want to play, but if someone tells me early, I'll take equipment like I've done nothing. I hope they're streaming. It's like three events in the world, and we're the first. I really hope they set Aren't something they up. they stream? I, I think, isn't Tan and Grace or them covering Vegas? Yeah, but that's the point. Like, I don't know why, but it's different time zones. Yeah, what I know, the, but uh, like since they're covering there, do you think they'll they're be streaming from here? Vegas? Do you think they'll be streaming Well, here? why would they not reply? And yeah. also, if they're streaming, where's the casters? Where's the announcement of like, hey, guys, we, we got these people streaming, cast nothing. I hope so. Yeah. It's just, it's a shame because like we, you and I could have done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's nothing, no, no, but like if I want to play, mm. But if I was the only person, I would convince you. You cast it. I'll set it up. We'll do it. Like because there's a thousand people that would watch that. So I'll sacrifice playing the event to do it myself. But like they haven't even asked. I I don't like that. That they don't even like. It was the same as nationals. Like they left it till last minute. Like however that communication's happening. We'll have to speak to our mutual friend head judge. <laughs> um, another Lebanese native. Yeah. Yeah. Well, half. Oh, only okay. half, yeah, it doesn't count. More than me. I'm only a quarter. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, plan is we arrive at the venue around 11, 12 o'clock mm -hmm. on Friday. Fluke will have some stuff on him. I'll have some classic battles, Ira decks. We can play matches. For sure. You beat me, you get a pack. However, you do have to consent to being on film if you want to take up that challenge and get a so pack. So, you've off got me. a camera person. That's right. Princess Spike should be there in her hoodie. Big Princess Spike on the. She'll be driving the camera that weekend. So. If you want to challenge a Timmy and see what you're made of, yep. you beat me, you get a pack. It's, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll be – a lot of shenanigans. We'll be having a lot of fun. And then uh, hopefully calling Saturday, Sunday. If not, there'll be a classic constructed battle hardened on Sunday. And there's a draft. There's a few events going on too. Yeah, there's. There, I think there's like winner box blitz events on yep. demand. Yeah. They look good. Yeah, Crew Unlim, I think, is and Everfest first yeah. for the winners. That looks great. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. And there's only eight players. So you play three rounds, you win three, you get a box. Yeah, Very that's, easy, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's, that's what they were doing at the Pro uh, pro Tour as well. Really? Three yeah. rounds, you win a box? Yeah. Okay. But I don't know how often that fired because there were so many other big events happening. Right. Yeah. I thought that was just win ticks. I didn't think it was win a box. Was it? Maybe, sorry, it was ticks at the, but either way, um, okay. Th those events are easy. Three rounds of blitz is nothing. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me. I'm looking forward to playing in another calling. And um, me too. And then what have we got on for next week? We are going to get our first. Oh, is it next week or the week after? We'll get someone in here. I don't know. We haven't planned it, but we will. Look, uh, we've got a list. 
there's some logistics. We'll see. There's plenty of people that we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get Yahtzee on guest one. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Just got to get his permission. <laughs> also, he's busy and he's in Wollongong, but we'll yeah. work that out. Yeah, we got names. Also, guys, we do. Uh, we can video call people in, so I'm not against that. Um, as much as we can, we'll get them in here. I really want people in the flesh. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'd much prefer that um, to have people here with us yeah. talking than over a video call. Me too. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Just want to have a good weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Hopefully sneak in some cheeky victories and have a bit of fun. All right. That's it from Can't you. Can't wait. That's it. Let's yeah. sign off. It's an hour and a half. Plenty of people. Plenty of time for people. Uh, we'll we'll check back in next week. We're, we're on schedule three weeks in a row, so that's good. Yeah. We're actually making the time. Yeah, if you enjoy Guys, it, feedback below would be great. We are on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Um and yeah, feedback, guys. I know the volume's been low. Trust me, like it's weird because I'm editing and it sounds fine in my speakers. But today I'll be paying a bit more attention. So pump it up. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fine. It's, I think I'm better on my mic today. I sound better in the headphones. So it's just teething problems, guys. That's also why we haven't had a guest. We're trying to just get all the issues out of the way before we do it and professionally. Now, and now that you're intimate with us, that you know our origin stories and you've got to know us a bit more, we'll uh, feel comfortable getting more people in here. And let us know in the Australian scene who you'd like us to get intimate with. Yeah. Oh, God, we love a threesome team, so please. <laughs> yeah. We do not discriminate. Tall, I mean, Hayden, Hayden's a good-looking guy. Tall, short. Yeah. We don't We don't discriminate. Yeah. We, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what your fantasies and fetishes are, Fluke. Uh, this is going way off the rails. This is this is the only you can you can listen to well, the rest of this podcast on the problem only is, fans. Problem is, once you get me started, I don't stop. <laughs> uh, it's like I could we just have the R-rated conversation yeah. on the only fans. It's fine. Yeah, this is um after hours thunder <laughs> after hours. <laughs> Tell me your deepest darkest. Do, do a Howard Stern show. <laughs> Hey, dude, I was watching Private Parts. It. I was watching Private Parts today, getting some inspiration. But yeah, I can get loose pretty quick, team. But I'm trying to keep it as professional as possible <laughs> for the viewers out there. Yes. All right. All right, guys. We're going to um, sign off. See you in a week. We'll see you in a week. Good luck, everyone participating in the calling. Good luck. Good luck. That was good. That was real good.